episode 175 of Friends of Film. We're here bringing the latest movie news and review the biggest new release, which this week is John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum. As always, I'm your host, Kaprud, once again joined by Josh Daly. Hello, everybody. Hello, Cooper. Hello. Hey, um, just for the Game of Thrones spoilers ahead, because this is what the show is now. <laughs> um, the Battle of King's Landing. Yes. Daenerys' turn. What did you think of the episode? What do you think of the whole thing? I don't have a problem with her turning evil. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I don't. I just didn't like how quickly it seemed to happen in terms of this season. Like, like it happened like like that. a couple of like last episode. She was like totally fine. Like I want to rule peacefully, do all this stuff. And then this episode, she's like, no, I hate everybody. I'm going to rule fear. I'm going to kill everybody. And then her and John have this divide, and now it's just like, well, now, now what? Mm-hmm. Like the, the whole like Viserys thing and all of that, where he's like very clearly like, dude, like he went dark fast. Yes, too. he did. Like, I think it's like implied that he's trying to poison her. Yes, which is that's what I got from it. Like, like she's not the, the one. The, yeah, which and I was like, I, I just feel like I feel like this this season need, needed to be like ten episodes at mm-hmm. least, and then we needed like an episode after uh, episode four, between episode four and episode five, to like give us more of like the characters like. Cement. becoming to like their mental states that they are at this moment so mm-hmm. it's like oh no we've seen her like sl- like become like a little more deranged over this last episode yeah. and now when she makes that turn now it makes sense i felt like the fix was the battle of winterfell the long night needs to end season eight because that's more of that plot uh-huh. and then we open with just a full king's landing battle for the rest of the realm yeah and then have the whole this series getting caught trying to poison the queen like that would yeah. be an episode in the old days yep and then he's just like snap over in the first 10 minutes so it was yeah. wild but the 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 sack of king's landing was insane and cool and i loved that like just like those one takes of aria mm-hmm. and the gang bowl all of that was worked great and worked yeah but like i totally agree with you on those other it just it just all seems a little rushed and we're obviously recording this hours ahead of the series finale mm-hmm. so uh, this will be posted uh hours after it over is over as well so uh hopefully <laughs> Hope- the reaction is good all right well take your guess right now who's ruling westeros uh uh, I don't know. My my gut says John, but I'd rather like the power just be like, divided up and then have like <clears throat> Sansa rules the North and then somebody like John yeah. or somebody I don't care who else like gotcha takes over everything else. Tyrion is the first president of Westeros, <laughs> prime minister. John moves beyond the wall to live out his days for with perfect to live with Agrid. Sure, his why bones. not? Yeah, she's Spirit. not there. And then he pets ghosts finally. Wait, so what happens to Danny? She's, or dead? she's dead. Oh yeah, he, Arya he cuts her? her down. Arya kills her, or John kills her because like Rhaegal like is gonna not be Arya. dead. I feel like Rhaegal's still Real, alive. Oh man, that'd be such. How a... do you kill another dragon? I don't. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Well, anyway, but we're not here for a Game of Thrones talk. We're here for movie talk. I'm kind of here for Technically. Game of Thrones talk. I mean, a little bit. <laughs> now we have become that. <laughs> it's just I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. No, it's fine. Um, but anyway, if you're looking for um, tweets on movies and not Game of Thrones talk, maybe a little Game of Thrones talk, you can go to our Twitter, at Friends in Film. But if you're looking for our movie reviews and um, episodes where we talk about big questions and things like that, you can find those on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. But on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us. That'll ultimately help rank us, and then we can add more friends to the show. That's right. That's what we were trying to do here. And before we get into our review of John Wick Chapter 3, and after we've done through our Game of Thrones talk for the week, uh, Josh, yes. is there anything else you've watched this week? I watched one movie this okay. week. It was not Game of Thrones related. I'm caught up, by the way. 
So like I've literally watched oh, you, you, the you, entire you finished series your and then, yeah. in the span of these last six weeks. Wow. That's, yeah, I have that's a commitment. problem. But anyway, um, I watched the OG John Wick. And I know this is kind of a part of a little bit, but uh, go ahead. Our review process and thing, but I just I'll just make a couple comments on it like this. That movie is at the same time not good, but at the same time terrific <laughs> in every respect. Some of its storytelling flow is very just like we don't know what to do. We don't have a cut. So let's just vignette, fade to black, open and fade to black. And it just does that three or four times throughout the movie until it gets to the part where John Wick gets to kill people. Uh-huh. And so it's very clear, like, we have no clue how we're going to get into this. But once they get into it, they really get into it. Yeah. But it's just absolutely bonkers. The 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 level of in-camera work that they all do. Um, and it's also so divorced from where this show the the, the the series has come on to uh-huh that it's really strange it's sort of like there's no way anything we've just seen in these last two movies could come out of this movie but at the same time it all feels right right it, so. it, it kind of is crazy just to look back it's already watched john wick and john wick 2 before uh seen the third one this week and just seeing how quickly this world evolves from go, going from john wick's just like a henchman mm-hmm. in in like in, a, in like a semi assassin world, to then you learn in the sequel that oh well now there's like uh, homeless people are part of this underground system as well. Um, there's a high table. There's all of these like there's continents across the world. Right. And then the third one, all that stuff becomes even bigger and grander and more complicated. It's mm-hmm. just like the mythology here. Is, uh, yeah. It, right. On. You never would have thought it back in 2014 when you see this movie for the first time. Um, I watched uh, a couple of things this week. I uh, finally had some free time. I was able to dive in, clear out some things on my Netflix queue. Um, I watched Paddleton, which was the uh, Ray Romano, Mark Duplass uh, oh. comedy, dark comedy. Um, it's fine. Nothing special, but they have they have pretty good chemistry together. And I also watched um, another Netflix original, Brie Larson's directorial debut, Unicorn Store, which is fine. It's nothing, you know, great um but you know i think brie is still really good as a lead actress um it's just more of that like the story i'm not totally sure she knew what it needed to be or focus on because there's this fantastical element of it obviously with unicorns potentially Mm -hmm. but then there's also like the real life aspect of growing up and like putting aside these childish dreams and they don't totally mix together and they can't they kind of they don't contradict one another because I think that's kind of the point she's going for. Okay. But it's just not like super clear, um, I think, in her overall vision. But the movie looks good. It's got a good aesthetic to it. And I think she's really good in it as well. So um, go check it out. It's worth it, I guess. Awesome. Okay. But we're here to talk about John Wick Chapter 3. I, uh, I wrote a review for our website, friendsfilm.wordpress.com, uh, with the title saying Keanu Reeves is back and deadlier than ever. Because really, I mean, as you kind of alluded to in talking about the first film, the the story has never been like the strongest part of this franchise. It's it's the action. It's like for me, the simpler the story for Keanu Reeves and John Wick, the better. Yes. And so that's why I love the first movie. The second thing I was like, it's good, it's really good, but like you got too complicated, I think, at certain points. This one, it's a little better at delivering all of this mythology and like the backstory and his like and like John yes. Wick's origins. Um, but it also doubles down on the violence and the brutality of the kills, the inventiveness of how they get done with uh, books, horses, uh, knives, guns. I mean, you name it, John Wick uses it to kill somebody with it in this movie. And it is glorious uh, whether he's, you know, 
destroying an NBA player, Bobong uh, mm-hmm. Bardanovich. Uh, that was hilarious um, just to see that. But then there's also um, just, I think Keanu still does a really good job with this role of just like, just being just like just a killer like he that's all he needs to do he doesn't need to exert a lot of emotion he does it when he needs to um but again the simpler the better for john wick in this movie and for the whole franchise um i think that uh chaz tahelska as the director does another good job of uh kind of putting more of his own stamp on this with uh giving us more like weird aspects to it. Like here, let's have some talk about ballet or art or um classical music and uh he also brings a really nice uh, style to the movie and how it looks visually, but also the action is amplified up again. Uh, and Keanu is not the only one who impresses here. Halle Berry, I was oh thoroughly goodness. impressed with. Yes. Uh, give her a spinoff right now um, with her and her dogs because the dogs may honestly steal the movie. Uh, as I mentioned in our review, there's one moment with them, which we'll talk about in spoilers, where I lost control of my body and let out an audible like oh my gosh uh, i was like oh, oops i did not mean to do that uh but it was just so cool um mm-hmm. that i couldn't help myself um and then if Halle berry and her dogs are not the scene stealers that probably goes to mark DeCoscos, uh who is like this other henchman who is after john wick and he is so good he's like a, he's believable that he can stand toe-to-toe with john wick who yes. in the first two and a half uh, movies is like, well, nobody can touch this guy because he's just unbeatable. He's the boogeyman. He's Baba Yaga. Like you cannot touch him. And now you're like, Oh no, Mark DeCoscos can like stand toe to toe with him. And like, but also be, have this charisma and like this fan uh, affection for, uh, for John Wick, which yes. is just uh, so infectious uh, that I, I love that aspect of him. Then you get Angelica Houston uh, in here rounding out the mythology and giving us more backstory for John Wick, which I really appreciated. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne, Lance Reddick, Ian McShane are all back. Really uh, happy with Lance Reddick's kind of expanded role here. Um, Jace Manzoukas, wish he was in a little more. Uh, he, he got a little short. Did he show up earlier than you thought? <laughs> he did, but then he was also gone for a lot longer than I anticipated. I just started laughing hysterically when he just, when his golden um, clad <laughs> wrist pops out of like the hobo part of it and just yeah. starts laughing. I'm like, perfect. It, it is so good, but I, I love how the movie starts basically picking up right after John Wick 2, John's still on the run. Yeah. We are going, and then it's just like mayhem of action for the next like 45 minutes, and it is just glorious. Um, I soaked it all in. Um, there's a couple of slower parts to the movie where we have to get into that the actual story here that's happening mm-hmm. and the backstory and the mythology, uh, which is all fine and dandy, but then it's also easy to kind of forget those moments when then it kicks into high octane action uh, a second later and it just kind of takes you away. So um, I think other than a slight moment um, where this kind of uh, grounded franchise kind of veered in toward more superhuman territory, I was um, very, very pleased with this movie. Uh, I recommend it to anybody who wants an action movie, uh, four and a half ticket stubs out of five. Nice, nice, nice. You also forgot to drop a line on our man, Sir Braun, the Blackwater, Jerome Flynn's oh, yeah. random cameo. He is, he is in there. Uh, there's also, um, I don't watch this one anymore, but from Gotham, the guy who plays Penguin uh, is uh, has a very small role here too. And I was like, oh, that's uh, surprising. Did not know that. <laughs> okay, very cool. Is he the elder? He was... Um, the person he he was like part of the like the clergy people who like 
Uh, he had like a double lip ring oh, or something. Yes. Yeah, I was like, Running oh, the the high table staff office. Yeah, I was <laughs> one like, of oh, the accountants. That was him. Or okay, file service members. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, man. But speaking speaking of that, the high table really needs to invest in better infrastructure. <laughs> I mean, they're still using switchboards and actual physical line connections. Right. I mean, maybe that's safer for them. I don't. Yeah, I think it's probably more secure. Right. I mean, like, there's Dodge Chargers in this world, so I know it's pretty pretty <laughs> modern day. But gosh, come on. I mean, jump on it, guys. I think. Make things a whole lot easier, especially if you want to excommunicate <laughs> somebody. Um, but I'm going to just agree with you, like 100% across the board. I, I actually um, I like this more than John Wick Chapter Two, which I like Agreed. more than the original John Wick. Okay, so your ranking is three, two, one. Yeah, I think so. I think mine's one, three, two. Okay, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Um, but what I love about this is it's just the full and total realization of like this world and who not only well, we already know who John Wick is, but who John Wick is in the world that he's from. Mm-hmm. It's no longer uh oh I couldn't possibly murder this person for you. It's I'm gonna murder everyone that I see ever. And that's the best part of where Keanu Reeves gets in. He has like ten lines of dialogue, twelve lines of dialogue, maybe like three pa- full pages if you actually like sure, yeah. list it out <laughs> where it's just one word responses yes no no yeah. you won't right yeah exactly I need your help thanks <laughs> like I, th- I think that's everything and I memorized it easily um, and Keanu Reeves just sells it even more without really having to work through any emotions other than like the obligatory here's a photo of my dead wife you know right. like to kiss and then send off before he begins his journey um, and, and like you said like you know, throws the book or uh, at the basketball player's name. I've already forgotten. Yeah, it's I. It's, I think I said his last name wrong last time. But it's Boban something. Yeah, but anyway, like just jamming it into his mouth like like a, <laughs> like a hammer. The hammer that is his fist was so intense and crazy. And that's kind of like the theme of all of this is just every kind of combat vignette attack scenario that they go through is just sort of like that was nuts what's going to be next and then what's next is he's utilizing the rear end of a horse to like <laughs> uh you know drop kick villains in the back yep. of the head before riding away on into the night on him you know a stallion and it just goes with that but the quintessential high point is Halle Berry and her dogs and the 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 vivid and such clear use of them without hasty cuts. And it just it felt like you were watching something in real time mm-hmm. unfold. And it was amazing. Yeah. And that's the high point. I mean, the jumped out the Casablanca was just so cool. And, like, the invoking of, like, classic movies mythology is so awesome. Um, but we get all this John Wick mythology, like you said. And I love that. Because this world is so much more vast and so much more... Um, nuanced and deep and like dark and creepy and that's like crazy then we like learn John Wick's like Russian name and he's probably not like like all of these things like with Angelica Houston is so cool Um, but like you said like Mark Dan or DeCoscos Mark DeCoscos is like our avatar he's the John Wick fan we're like what's he gonna do next like let's go after and follow John Wick and so he's like sort of our entry point and so that was like that was really terrific, and I totally agree with you there. Um, but like the w- reason I would just say that this is the best of all of them is it just knows what it needs to have in it and what it doesn't need to have in it, but also winks at the camera in like a certain way. We're like, 
the first movie was like John Wick's dog's dead, like watch out. And then these other two movies have been sort of like, you know, I know this is about dogs. This <laughs> is about John or Keanu Reeves killing people. Mm-hmm. And that's what it gets right. Um, and it's just so much fun. It doesn't get in its own way. The story I think is fine up until the very end when it says sequel baby. And then that's about <laughs> all. And so I'm going to give it, Five out of five tickets. Steps. All right. I really just thoroughly enjoyed the heck out of this. I mean, I, it's it's hard to fault anybody for having so much enjoyment from this movie. Obviously, I enjoyed it quite a bit as well. Uh, let's just jump into spoilers. Please. So we can just talk about all the goodness that was in John Wick Chapter 3. If I had to ask you uh, a favorite kill. Oh, favorite kill. I think it happens in the snowball knife fight. <laughs> Um, that's what Chad Skilhelsky called uh-huh. it in an interview with. Uh, I think it, was, it was with uh, the Film big picture. Rejects. Oh, oh, big picture too. Uh, he, okay. uh, he he described it like that at least. Yeah. He, okay. It's very it's his term. That's where I read it though. Um, I haven't jumped on the big picture yet. I didn't want them okay. to taint. I don't want them to taint me just yet, or at least my <laughs> color my opinion here. But yeah, like that is so cool. Like where you just all of a sudden they're just like we're fighting with nothing, and then we're like, oh, we have all of these weapons, and then it's just so furious where. And so clear, and like there's hardly any cutting yeah. going on. Like they just show you one for one everything going on, and you see these people just get hit every time with knives, and that we're still rolling, we're still rolling. But that can't be. <laughs> you no, know, it can't be. Like there's got to be some kind of scenes or something going on in there. And then um, that whole thing just caps out with John Wick, just like, oh, it looks that guy's trying to call away axe to the head from across the room which just made me shake in my seat and shudder at the um like just the velocity at which it (laughs) pierces that man's skull and like it feels weird saying that in an upbeat manner but (laughs) but that that i think that's the magic of this franchise honestly where like you can watch john wick just brutally Mm -hmm. kill people over and over and over and each time I had a bigger smile on my face, and I'm like, what is wrong with me? We are so demented. <laughs> it's like, well, no, no, this is what I'm supposed to be feeling, <laughs> because John Wick is doing what John Wick does, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to bring joy and glee somehow, some way, and it's strange for sure, but like, that is what like this franchise has come to make me feel, and yeah. like, I'm okay with that. It is, it is, it is, it is gleefully, it is gleefully self-aware, too, in the way it goes about doing it, and that's like its best part. But like, well, it's so, it's so brutal. But the way it's carried out is like with this, like this is like you know, like like you know, and we know this is way over the top, but right. awesome. And I think that's the spirit that, like, having Keanu Reeves in there gets. He's like, it's like it's Point Break, it's Bill and Ted, <laughs> or it's Ted, Bill. He's uh, he's Ted. Ted, thank you. I haven't seen those movies yet. I need to get on it. And so, like, that's just sort of like what we like he brings to it. And I think that's why maybe. We'd like yeah. want to see him do that. But uh, yeah, that's my favorite word. You, favorite kill, favorite uh, moment. Well, before I get to that, I, in that same sequence, I loved seeing John customize his own that's pistol. Right. I was like, wow. <laughs> just to get off one shot, one shot. Mm-hmm. That's all he needed. Uh, but it was just like, wow. He just he literally took apart like 16 guns just so he could get like the right the the right barrel, the right trigger, yeah. like everything. And I was like, wow. He's like, I, I don't <laughs> Next need level to, assassin. Yeah, I need to shoot this bullet, so how can I make it work and fit? It's like just dead. so methodical. So too. good, so good. Um, but my favorite kill um, isn't one from John or even Halle Berry. Um, it's from the dog. Um, where yes, where he, where, he, where he leaps over the wall. I, that that was the moment where I like 
let out i don't know what i said but it was an audible reaction that i wasn't expecting to have um because it was just it was just so freaking cool yes i've never seen that before on film i've and just to see the dogs used to that way uh was excellent and knowing that like that that that's real that's not a cg dog mm-hmm. that is a actual trained dog trained by halle berry um whistling over calling the sign and have the dog run jump off her back scale the wall and then bite a dude in the groin um i was just like wow the, nothing will tap top this nothing <laughs> there is something we do need to talk about though is john wick halle berry and the dogs just go for the groin relentlessly oh yeah it's the favorite movie. thing it's the it's the go-to attack and i appreciate that so much because it's so effective it, it is it's very you, effective if you've ever been neat, except like, in john wick 2 against that one very large man <laughs> oh that's right it doesn't work there no <laughs> i think he's wearing a cup or something like he that. must be maybe a eunuch i'm not sure um but yes like i would it was not lost on me how many times they're just like i'm gonna punch you in the crotch nope. like your, your your balls are fair game or that's when like when we get like the introduction of just how awesome these dogs are mm-hmm. boom that one that dog goes right for bronze crotch yes. it's like boom right there <laughs> i never hated that man so much more than when he took a shot at that dog oh that dog played dead yeah which is nuts well i don't know if it totally played dead or if it was like it was if it was playing dead slash oh like it did get hit it did in get the hit. armor yes so like obviously it wasn't like dying but like maybe that's just like a that must be like a trained reaction of like if you get hit with the if you get hit by a bullet, mm-hmm. like boom, you're like stay there. It had the wherewithal to flinch in front, like to maneuver its <laughs> Kevlar in front of that blast. It would just the, the, everything with those dogs is just phenomenal. They were very good boys. And like, man, I was, I was, <laughs> they were very, they were very good boys. I was, I was really missing them though after that point because like mm-hmm. Hallie just takes uh, John Wick into the the desert and just drinks all the water which i thought was a h- hilarious beat of her, character her absolute disdain for everything <laughs> that they just went through is it's so good it was, the scowl in the shade it was Ooh. great um but then i was like oh i was like waiting for them to like show up again at like the end to help out because i thought in one of the trailers there was like a shot of um sophia who's um halle berry's character of sophia and the dogs walking through the continental and it never happened in the movie um, and so I was waiting for that to happen because th- there's definitely a promotional still of that happening, unless that's from the Moroccan Casablanca, Perhaps. uh, yeah. which is possible. The interiors did not look the same. It looked like the New York one. So I was waiting for them to show up and like help out and be like, like helps like turn the tide in John's favor there at the end. But it didn't happen. I was a little bummed about that. Um, but they were just so good for the parts they were in it. Maybe that's just something you can't keep up for the whole part. Like we can only like design so many set pieces around these dogs. Yeah. So having one major one is probably enough. I'm taking a peek here and it, it does look like the Continental. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean that glass window, but then again, that also looks Moroccan. So. It does. I just I don't know how to place we, it. Again, yeah, we don't really see much of the interior of the Casablanca Continental. We just see like the we see John being escorted through the main part. Mm-hmm. Um, or I guess that's actually is that when they're going to see Jerome Flynn's character? No, he gets taken through the front door of whatever she's managing. Yep. Right, and so then and then she's already in her uh, room. Yeah. So I don't know. Either way, it doesn't really matter. It just, just like, wanted more. Yeah, I just wanted so much more because they were just so, so, so good. Yes, and, uh, like, we really don't get as much, you know, 
badassery up like after that throughout the movie but we do get to see lance reddick um the the the, the yeah, um, hotel manager sharon just go off yeah i love that all business like as soon as i saw him like you know load up and like i'm like oh he's getting out there mm-hmm. now great this is gonna be awesome because like they all file out of that yep. room all at once and they get wasted by body armored yeah um uh, members high of, table yeah, the assassin high table. Mm-hmm. Uh, foot soldiers and he's just like this is not how it's happening burst back into the armory like we're getting high powered armor piercing round shotguns mm-hmm. and john's just like yep that makes sense yep. <laughs> and they're just like the like the the weird frustrate like the low-key frustration of like oh great now i gotta go rearm this is so tedious yes yeah. <laughs> it was yeah i loved him getting on the action because that was something that's like He's part of this assassin world, but mm-hmm. we only ever see him stand behind the concierge desk. So it's like, can he do more than Enjoy that? Enjoy your stay. Yeah. Yes, he can. Yes, <laughs> he can. Uh, and he proves it here. He was great. Uh, the whole, loved her a second of the, it. The concierge will be back shortly sign was yeah, just so was very foreboding. Nice touch. I loved it. Uh, I mean, yeah, there, there's so many of those nice, just like very small, but very clever details um, included in this movie. Um, what did you think of the adjudicator? Mm. Because that was something I wasn't like totally on board for see i love the mythology that they just give to you as you need it okay you have no clue what's happening until it happens right in this movie you just know people are gonna die awesomely (laughs) and as we move from this like you know scene to scene to scene i'm like oh the judicator's an assassin or whatever the case is but she's just sort of this representative to make the high table even more mysterious right. and you know distant even though we've already gone over the high table's head for some reason which is weird and funny all of them on its own but i totally die cuz she's just sort of it's it's a business yeah and she's just the representative being like this is the way things are got to pay for it with blood We'll slice your hands here. Mm-hmm. We'll slash you. We'll give you seven like, yeah, Seven slashes. slashes or a sword through the hand. Yeah. Like, do, like, you know, doing up Lawrence Fishboard, who is absolutely hilarious oh, as Bowery He King. was hamming it up mm-hmm. in that scene, and I was I loved every second of it. Just like, like shield your eyes, Bert, <laughs> as he was sending him away. Um, but, no, I totally dug that, and I dug all of the, the new high table stuff and the new John Wick backstory. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought that was terrific not a single problem with it because it's just it just like lends itself to being completely weird but now at the same time like just simple like the high table are people who are in charge she's a representative of them and it's as simple as that there's okay. doesn't seem, didn't seem complicated to me at all i understood it perfectly yeah i just wish maybe i had a little more like information on like what her actual like role is and like rank is with the high table because like she's clearly not above the high table she's below them but then so are she's like their hand everybody like so is ian mcshane but then it seems like uh angelica houston's character the director is like kind of on the same playing field with the high table but then the adjudicator is still above her and so i was just like a little unclear on that. It's no, it's not like a huge deal. Um, and I think the actress uh, did a fine job, just kind of being like steely. Asia Keat Dillon. Uh, yes, um, like having this like steely like look on her face, just like I'm in charge. Don't really care about anything. Like you're not gonna hurt me because I'm mm-hmm. the adjudicator. I was like, okay, cool. Um, and I, 
I did like in the with the director's kind of thing, um, like the backstory that we got for John Wick, the school, yes. um, the ballerinas, which like maybe that's a setup for that spinoff that was like reportedly put in works uh, several months ago. So I liked all that kind of stuff. Yeah, she um, has a role in Billions. Um, okay, and she's terrific in it. That's what I've she's heard. like a analyst um, type person who basically helps like launch them into like the nether worlds of the illegal financial world okay so yeah she's really kicked butt there um yeah i mean so we you mentioned up uh, earlier that we get to learn john wick's full name his real name mm-hmm. jardani jovanovich yes um not something i that's one of those like pieces of intel didn't need to know that john wick wasn't his real name kind of assumed yeah it was not uh, because you're, if you're like a wife, a long Nobody's... assassin, you're not going to use your, your real name. Mm-hmm. Like if all of a sudden I was like whisked into the assassin underworld, I'm not going to still go by Cooper Hood because then I've, they, you know, there's documentation of my existence and all of this backstory. <laughs> People know who I am. Fair enough. Like you got to change that up. So um, having Giordani, which is Romani for John, mm-hmm. and then Giovanna Vick, you know, right. Wick just taken from yeah. that. I like how there's some history there, but like you don't need to really know it's all of it. Very like lazy Staten Island um, immigration <laughs> right. officer. Like, what's your name? No, no, it's this now. Get yeah. out of here. Go. But, but go, not as go. bad as like Han. What's your last name? Don't have one. Uh, oh. You're alone, so you're solo. So Han Solo. <laughs> it's not as bad as that. <laughs> I sent that clip to a friend who hadn't who loved Star Wars but hadn't seen Solo, <laughs> and he's just like, I cringed. Like, I don't need to see that. Um, but like him and Angelica Houston's rap for it's short and sweet, but it's really good. Like mm-hmm. I thought that scene from the trailers was going to be something dark and like I'm here to kill you, and yeah. now you got to give me what you want before I end up killing you. But no, it's really. It's really like uh, it's paternal, but also mm-hmm. like there's some animosity there in some ways. Yeah, because she's like, and, "Oh, you left us. Like, we don't need to help you." And he's like, "No, right. but like, I earned this." Exactly. <laughs> you must. Calling himself like, one of her orphan sons mm-hmm. that like had come to him, and like just the, just the one time John Wick is pleading with somebody, yeah. and he's not in power, and that's just it was, it was a really different aspect of his character to like see come through with her, mm-hmm. and to know that she didn't end up getting murdered was really great because that I means she'll be around for that's future. Right. Well, and that's like one of those things where it's like this movie does such a good job with the mythology and staying all this stuff up where I not only want to see a Sophia spinoff starring Halle Berry. I want yes. to see that ballerina spinoff uh, that they were you know rumored to be in the works, which hopefully would bring Angelica Houston back. Um, but if that's not the case, I'd want to see like just a like a Red Sparrow type movie mm-hmm. about this assassin school because yes. um, that seems like a like a perfect thing to do uh, with all the mythology they set up here. I mean, we could go overseas and like do more with you know Jerome uh, Jerome's character like that'd be great um, I mean whatever like I, I'm on board for this franchise no matter what and uh, the box office receipts keep climbing uh, it's projected to do about 57 million dollars this opening weekend Ooh. which is almost double of what John Wick 2 did which John Wick 2 doubled what the first film did domestically so um, the box office and like and like the fan affair for this franchise just keeps going up which I, w- I know like when I had that reaction to the dog leap, mm-hmm. I was like, Oh gosh, like that was, that's, that's a little weird. But then like, I noticed that other people were having similar reactions to other moments in the film. Like when John wick used the horse to crush that dude's face. in, I was like, people are like, Oh yeah, <laughs> go John. <laughs> right. And like, uh, like there's so many like, moments where you can tell the fan base is growing as each movie happens. He is, he, he's very much become a Jason Bourne, but way cooler. Yeah. I mean it it is it's be, it's beyond that though, but it's sort of just like it's like it's a 
it is a very mythological character that they've, they're like building and running with here. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, and, and pulp, really pulpy too. Like with those, with this action or like, or, um, graphic novel is sort of like the yeah. word that like leaps to my mind because everything is just so heavily stylized, mm-hmm. but awesome in the way it presents itself frame by frame. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know some people had just some issues with maybe a little slower second half where, you know, John has to make this decision to kind of, crawl back to the man above the high table to mm-hmm. you know kind of get his excommunicado thing revoked um and he severs off his ring finger yeah. um in a in a you know kind of weird move oh that reminds me the uh knife in the eyeball from that opening snowball knife fight yes disgusting i i almost lost it that was mm-hmm. just so Th- gross i there's nothing worse than looking at eyes get poked out uh, especially that, when, especially that slowly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like so anytime where there's the, the knife slowly goes into someone's sternum or lung and punctures it, I just get visibly uncomfortable. It hurt me when Jamie Lannister did that to that guy in season one. It hurt when the Mountain did it. It hurt <laughs> when John Wick did it in the first movie, and then especially in this one. Yeah, yeah, very gross. Um, but I've seen some criticisms about how he does this and he loses his finger to show that he's committed to the high table and this assassin life but then his mission is to kill ian mcshane's character and then he ultimately decides not to do that and to team up with him yeah kind of eliminating that like arc he was going on i don't really have an issue with that it's better i think for john wick to be on his own than Mm -hmm. be trapped under the hierarchy of the high table so it's like you know what not the maybe the greatest move from a script writing perspective potentially but I don't really care. Yeah, it, it goes in a circle really quickly. Yeah. And it's sort of like, well, why'd you do that in the first place? But like, it's, I think it's the term between um, revenge story and fallout from revenge mm-hmm. to, or no, yeah, fallout from revenge to now it's just like, well, now the big boys mess with you. What are we going to do now? Yeah. And, and that's kind of like where it leaves us. And that I think that is the ending is where you have your biggest problem with this Co- movie. Correct. And it's not like, you know, it's the biggest problem of like, like a bunch of nitpick problems that I have with the movie overall, where it's like, I mean, if you're obviously in the spoiler territory, you know that John Wick gets shot by Ian McShane's character. He falls off the roof and then he's gone and he's whisked away to uh, the Bowery King to set up chapter four, I guess. Um, and I just didn't like that. Not that he was shot by Ian McShane's character that felt in character that felt right for the moment. Um, I just don't like that. He falls off a 20 foot, building hits the side of the roof hits a guardrail on the side going down hits a fire escape and then lands face first in the cements and uh is fine i mean like he's he's scratched up he's banged up i mean the tiktok man has to come and <laughs> save him yes. um but like i feel like that's a moment where you don't survive that especially if you've gone through everything that john wick's already gone through in the last mm-hmm. two weeks uh because that's how much time is basically spanned between the first john wick and john wick three which i love right um i just feel like that's something you don't walk away from or survive in any aspect so if that was that was the moment where i was like this has been very grounded for the most part leading up to like you have to put aside some disbelief of like there's half of new york city's built in part of an assassin underworld i guess um but uh you know it's it's not a huge thing i just wish that like he had fallen in a garbage can or something mm-hmm. to like break his fall a little bit because it's like okay then there's something but otherwise I was the like, fire escape eh. and the the the, the shack roof didn't do it for you i mean those are breaking his falls but they're also like those would injure him at the same time <clears throat> yeah that's for sure i mean he's definitely got at least three broken ribs <laughs> and maybe some more fractured orbital bones you'd think so if not a concussion 
But I, I was okay with that. Um, I do... Ian McShane is just endearing himself to me all over again. Mm-hmm. He was in something I was watching. He was in Game of Thrones for that one episode. That's right. That's <laughs> why I'd seen him recently. Um, before we get it, yeah, he's the uh, he's the scepter before getting murdered um, by the band of the the brotherless banners. Sure, the brothers without banners. And I loved him all through this movie because he's just so warm and Irish, and you just like this guy is spilling wisdom all over the place. And I, I enjoyed that, especially though learning that he was making power moves at the end of this. We're like, well, you helped your friend out, so now we're going to tell you, that the adjudicator tells him that he's going to have to step down from his post mm-hmm. because of the one-hour grace period before sending him into excommunicado. And so his move to basically declare war on the high table with John Wick at his side to basically prove his, like, his power and influence in the city was epic in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um the, the the idea of him just chilling in there sipping a bottle of wine while um sharon and hit uh, or Tyrone, yes and wick just come constantly like stream and now need more weapons okay he's like all right i'm right here just drinking my wine like <laughs> listening to whatever music they're playing and then uh Some very the adjudic- renaissance stuff yeah and the adjudicator calls him and he hangs up on her <laughs> <laughs> yes there's, it's just so it's so surreal mm-hmm. and um cheeky in those moments of like outside of like the just total br- brutal murders happening across the hallways and everything like that. Um, and then it's just so funny at the end where they're, they're, the adjudicator and Winston are having this conversation at the end of the film discussing John Wick's body that has gone missing. And they're just like, well, that's not good for either of us. And Winston's just like, yeah, guess not. And then that's like everyone around him is just, casually brushing up bullet casings and like, all right, we're going to open up in the next day. You're like, we're going to get right back open. Like no big deal. (laughs) An entire massacre happened. And it's like (laughs) back to business as usual. Yeah. And so that whole, that whole way he makes that feel real or just like totally plausible Mm -hmm. is terrific. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, Before we wrap up here, I have one kind of favorite line I want to mention uh, where Sharon and Winston are talking and he's like, like, do you think like he's, he's like, do you think John's going to be able to survive this? And Winston's like, well, it's half of New York versus John. So I'd say the odds are about even. (laughs) And I was like, yes, that is very accurate because John Wick can kill that many people. Uh Um, But you got to do, got to give shout out though to Mark. um, DeCoscos. Mark DeCoscos. Thank you. I was, I want to say like DeCoscos. Sorry, Mark. But uh, at zero, he is, he's got a, he's got a, um, he's got a sword right through the middle of his chest. Yeah. And he, he just pulls himself up and looks over at John Wick and he's like, that was a pretty good fight. He's like, you know, (laughs) just slowly dying. And, and John gets up to leave. He's like, I got stuff to do. And then Mark, just like I'll see you later and then like the one of the five lines John has in this movie is no you won't <laughs> and then he falls over and dies and it's like that was perfect it was that it was, was so good uh yeah I mean I loved 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 that character um it's a shame we're gonna be able to see him more mm-hmm. um but I'm up for John Wick 4 I'm up for the Sophia spinoff I'm up for Ballerina I'm up for really whatever John Wick in this universe is willing to give me now yep. um as long as the creative team is still somewhat involved. So the continental um, TV show is still happening at this moment. As of this moment, that would be great. Uh, especially if, 
Um, you know, Winston and Sharon appear. If I mean, Keanu is supposed to appear reportedly um, for like an episode or two. So, uh, yeah, I'm just so pumped for this. And that needs to be an anthology series. Agreed. It? Or Completely agree. Episodes. Yes, yeah. where each season's a new location, so we can start off with New York. That's when everybody knows, and we can go to. You know, the one that was in Rome that he visited. Then we can go to, you know, the one in Casablanca. We can go to brand new ones. And then each time it's set in like a diff, like it's over a couple of yeah. different decades. And then John Wick appears here and here and here for like an episode cameo. Or even just in like anthological within the series, episode by episode. Oh, that would even be cooler. And then that would be cool. Intertwine them all, tie it with a bow, then jump to their spot. But I would like one season full for one okay. location. And that way you can like. Bring back um, Adrian. Uh, uh, why am I blanking on her name? Uh, from the first movie. From the first movie, yeah, yes. and like have her come back, and uh, you know, for like one episode or a couple episodes, or you can introduce brand new characters that could then pop up for fourth movies or fifth movies or spinoffs of their own. Um, but yes, I think anthology is definitely way to go with the Continental. Um, it starts with like a P. Her last Adrian name. Palacki. Yes. Oh my gosh, I can't remember if I forgot her because Palacki. She is great, um, but. I think I know the obvious answer to this question here before we wrap up this section. Will Josh watch this movie again? Yes. Obviously. Uh, Will you watch it again in theaters? No. I got some other stuff I need to check out. (laughs) That's fair. Uh, I may, just depending on time, but I'll definitely watch it again, buy it on Blu-ray, all this kind of stuff. Well, maybe. Like, I think I may have to drag my brother to it, so... Oh, yeah. We'll see. You shouldn't have to drag anybody. They should all be willing to go see John Wick. He's on board for John Wick. He's just like, oh, the movie theater. So <laughs> I'm like, it's just right there. It's right there. I'm coming with you. <laughs> well, fair enough. Uh, so those are our thoughts on John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. Let us know what you guys thought about the movie as well. We'll be right back in a bit with the news. back with the news and as I'll start with our three main topics this week kicking off with a big one the one we've been waiting two years for since the pod began I mean not not quite but I mean basically we're in year four of the pod we've spent the last two and a half wondering who's Batman (laughs) oh that's true that's a good point yes Uh, because there were all those rumors that Ben Affleck was going to leave and then Uh we got the announcement earlier this year that yes he is indeed out of the role which has then left us with the void to fill as the Batman and now it looks like we probably know who the next Batman is going to be as Variety reported this week that Robert Pattinson is the choice for Warner Brothers and director Matt Reeves to be the new Batman however Deadline followed up and said that no decision has been made and that Nicholas Holt is still in contention too, while THR said that Army Hammer and Aaron Taylor Johnson have also been discussed over the last several weeks in conjunction with Holt and Pattinson. So it looks like it's Pattinson. He is the frontrunner for the role. Uh, are you a fan of Robert Pattinson? Or are you down to see him as the new Batman? Yeah, definitely down to see him as the new Batman. I think he's an inspired choice. Um, if you haven't seen Good Time yet, like that'll change your perspective of the man entirely. I watched it. What days today? I watched it two days ago. Perfect, for the first time. Yes, great, absolutely. It's on Amazon Prime. Go check it out. Like, and if the only thing you know about this man is whether he once dated Christian Stewart and was in Twilight films, you're bonkers. And like, or not, you're not bonkers. Like, understandably, but 
Not he's a different. He's a different dude. The thing is, I've he's, never seen a Twilight movie, so mm-hmm. I, I don't have that stigma attached to him. Other than everybody says he's bad and like Twilight's bad. Um, you know, Here's association. I've never seen Twilight either. But I've seen him in Harry Potter, mm-hmm. and I've seen him in Lost City of Z. Yep. And he was fine in both of those roles. Definitely. But Good Times definitely his best one that I've seen him in. Right. And he's coming up with a Christopher Nolan film starring yes. role. Yep. That's going to change He's our coming off of, um, what's his name? Robert, Roger Eggles, uh, the director of The Witch. His new movie, him and Willem Dafoe are starring That's in that. That's right. And I think it just screened at Cannes. With um, pretty good And very reception. good, very, very good reviews so black far. black and white film. It's mm-hmm. very noir and I'm loving it already. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't read the re- full review. I just said, no. we like it. And I was like, good. <laughs> okay. I hope so. Enough. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I'm just you're jumping back and forth here. But I am on board for this. Um, and his, it's, it's in his career arc. Uh, the reaction to it has been mixed. The reaction is very weird. Film Twitter is like, yeah, this is great. We like this guy. Film Twitter is like, great. He has earned this because of all of his indie work he's done mm-hmm. last year's. But then Film Twitter is also like, guys, stop hating on this pick. But I, I don't really see any hate. <laughs> so I don't know where. I think that's just like preemptive. Let's get out in front of this before it happens backlash. Yeah. That and um and um, my, my seeing some of like the people like jumping out in front of the any possible hate to come uh-huh. from it, it makes me wonder like, is there is there supposed to be backlash? I think that's just like, I don't feel it. I don't feel it either, but it just because I think of the Twilight connection to Rob Pattinson, people are just expecting, oh, the guy from Twilight, <laughs> good choice, right? WB and like you know kick DC again um, because of this choice, but then also just the casting of Batman um, has been you know, divisive in the past. Yeah, so I think, I think it's I, the combination of all of that. I think I saw like one person tweet something and maybe that's where I'm coming from here. I suppose. Or they're like, they got this wrong already. And I'm like, oh, okay. no, they didn't. Maybe it's just like one random <laughs> well, it's person. It's like, you can't even know that. But that's already like my feelings. Um, but no, I think this is terrific. Yeah. I mean, he was not, when we did our, who should play the, who should be the next Batman episode. I don't think he was mentioned by either of us. As far as my memory no. can serve. Um, but, I mean, Aaron Taylor Johnson, we talked about him. We talked about Army Hammer. Um, Aaron Taylor Johnson was my pick. I also won Richard Madden, and now he's doing the MCU. Um, but I think Rod Pattinson, like, because I don't have this baggage with Twilight or whatever, I've just seen him be good, but then also great in good times. So uh, I am on board for this pick because he he can have this like he has this like weird mystery about him but he also has like that look for batman and bruce wayne just slightly aloof yeah Yeah. and i like i like that aspect to him obviously wb is putting a lot of their eggs in the robert pattinson basket with going with Mm -hmm. him in the christopher nolan movie but then also doubling down on him as the new batman it looks like um so that's i think really cool and that he can make this his own i'm interested to see how obviously how his kind of career arc mixes with Matt Reeves and what they're going to do. Cause there's been like rumors that, uh, or reports that WB is asking for more action from the script. Um, but I think for the most part, that's because Matt Reeves is going like the very much like this is a noir detective Batman movie. There's not going to be a bunch of explosions or fight scenes. It's going to be like, here's a true detective Batman that we yeah. haven't really got on the screen before. No, um, there's so like 30 there's, minutes of the dark Knight, right? Where he's like, <laughs> ballistic yes like the dark knight detective <laughs> exactly and that's all we have that, that's all we have but other, but i mean 
if we were getting that for a, like that take on Batman, especially at least for the first movie, and that could evolve, I guess, as we move forward, and he becomes more entrenched as the character. But I think that further suits Robert Pattinson's strengths as an actor. Just like he was a heist guy in Good Time, and like he worked that angle very well. So if he can be like this brooding, commanding, I'm going to go from crime scene to crime scene, piece together these things, mm-hmm. go meet up with, according to THR, Penguin's going to be the main villain, then Catwoman's going to appear as well. So go meet up with Selena Kyle, meet up with Oswald Cobblepot, you know, you know, interview them a couple of times. Like, sure. Like, why not? Like, I think Rod Patson can definitely pull this off. Yeah. I, I really do think so too. Like, and I, I just, it's, it's, it's left field to left field choice, I think, mm-hmm. or maybe not. I maybe, think he was, I he think was, I had a bias of just not considering Pattinson. I think there was something, I don't remember how this started, but like a month or two ago, people were start, all of a sudden like, Oh, Rod Patson make a good Batman. And like, I like, missed this. And it was like, no, he would not. And that's what, maybe that's where all the controversy is coming from, like the pre-takes. Of, oh. <laughs> oh, his name's out there. People don't like it. Some people do. Um, I was like, okay, I don't really care. Because, again, like, I haven't really seen a lot of him yeah. until then I watched Good Time. Just to be like, all right. So I haven't seen a lot of him. I feel like I need to firm up an opinion I, on I, Robert, Robert, Robert Pattinson as yeah. an actor. And the thing is, though, your excuse for that, because he, I think this Nolan movie is going to be the moment where people we're all like, let's push him into the mainstream. Let's yeah. give him. And then all of a sudden, Pattinson roles are just a dime a dozen. And then, like, you know, he's made more money than Twilight's already brought in him. Right. And well, like, if that, like, assuming the new Christopher Nolan movie is as big of a hit and as well as received and it gets as good as performances as Nolan's got in the past, uh, Robert Pattinson is going to be flying high in the summer of 2020 and then, boom, next summer, yeah. solo Batman movie. It'll, it'll, be, the, it'll, Great. Be, it'll be the Tom Hardy, Gordon Levitt, you know, moment for those mm-hmm. people. We're like, those people are good. Why haven't we... Oh, Gordon Levitt, we've been giving attention. But yeah. Then all of a sudden, then Looper came along mm-hmm. like shortly after. No, I didn't. Uh, Five years later. After... Three years later. After Rises? Looper was the year after, right? It was 2013? Yeah. But that, I guess that... Well, no one already... No one just liked that kid. Yeah. From the get-go. And I don't know what I'm really saying here. <laughs> but the idea is he'll be back in our public consciousness mm-hmm. and that'll be... It's a great... It's a great career move. You can see the dots connecting already oh, yeah. with this because you can connect them forward in Hollywood because of projects. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. And I'm just about it. Um, whether he's bald or they give him like Bruce Wayne hair. Um, oh, yeah. I think he'll. I think he'll probably go like a medium length. You know. Yeah. Sort of okay. cut up top. It'll be fine. I I'm I'm excited about it. I think it's an inspired choice if that ends up going through. Yeah. Um. The reason it leaked though makes me curious. Like, are they just trying to go ahead and sell everyone on it right well, it, now? I don't know. Or it's, it's weird because it, is it a like let's get people mad about this pick so they go a different way? I don't. I don't think that's the case. Okay. I don't think Variety would run with like be used to that way. I, it seems to me more like he is the pick. Yeah. But then he hasn't signed yet, and so then you know. So like Nicholas Holt's agent or, you know, somebody else is like went to deadline. I was like, Hey, he hasn't signed yet. Worse than contention. Mm-hmm. Let this be known. So if he passes on this, Nicholas Holt is now like, he has to be the next go-to choice because it's out there. Yeah. Or that was leaked out there by WB to be like, well, we want Pats and he hasn't signed yet. Let's put out, well, he's hasn't totally signed the deal yet. Um, and to put more pressure on him, like, well, now you're in touch with Nicholas Holt, Army Hammer and Air Johnson. Mm-hmm. And so, like, maybe that's what's happening. That seems more likely. Um, Batman casting is close. That's it for is, sure. It is, for sure. Um, there's also been, you know, rumblings that 
who all of these people who have been in contention for this role may get other roles in the movie yeah. as well. Um, so, I mean, could you see Nicholas Holt or Army Hammer or Aaron Taylor Johnson in a different role in the Batman? And if so, who? Aaron Taylor Johnson, yes. Nicholas Holt, no. Okay. I think he still, I think he still has to go keep searching for a more solid role to get back into. But Aaron Taylor Johnson definitely is up for something. I feel like should be up for something. I hope so. He just, I think he's able to, I mean, you know what? I haven't seen Nicholas Holt's range. Yeah, I really haven't. I don't know what's in him. I mean, I've just seen I've seen him in Be- as Beast. I've seen him as um, what else was he in? He was in some Netflix movie that I, about war. He was like a he was fine. Okay, and then he was yes. in, he's just in Tolkien, which I haven't seen yet. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in Mad Max for like a Rebel in the very Rye, small role, um, where he plays like basically the same character as Tolkien, but not actually <laughs> Tolkien. Um, and so, like, I don't know what exists within him. Yeah. but Aaron Taylor Johnson can be crazy. Oh, he's really he's good in warm bodies. Uh, That's it's Nicholas Holt. Yeah, he's good in that. He has a, he has hair. Yeah, it's just so strange. <laughs> what if? Um, there's been you know rumors that maybe you know, Riddler could be one of the villains as well. I could see Nicholas Holt as like Riddler. Uh, yeah, it'd be much have, him, have him be a little weirder. Mm-hmm. I think that could be like a nice change of pace for him after like trying to go like the true dramatic range. Like change it up a little bit. Yeah, it, it would be. It would definitely be a choice. I mean, Aaron Taylor Johnson would fit it better, but he also leans toward being cooler. That's true. So, but then again, he did play. I was gonna say like kid and kick him ass, as like so. him or Army Hammer as like Harvey Dent, but I'm like, eh. Maybe Army Hammer's Harvey Dent. Do you need Harvey Dent like this early on? I don't know. Um, I don't know. I think I think they're both if handsome enough for it. So if that is the case, and like chin. these other people are in contention for the roles, or even have signed on to play other roles already, um, I think then that's even better. Mm-hmm. We get Robert Pattinson's Batman, and then we get Holt or Hammer or Taylor Johnson. Maybe two of the three. Probably not all three, um, but some combination of them as villains that could be like really cool i think i think so too so uh we will move on from the batman to star wars um as disney ceo bob Iger confirmed that the next star wars movie that is dated for december 2022 will be the first installment of the david bayoff and db wise series josh uh what do you think of this move uh that it is going to be them coming first do you think that this also means that the those three movies that they dated are all for this same trilogy i don't know the the space between the dates of those movies says they have to be the same trilogy right it's two years apart mm-hmm. for each film correct so i believe those are it i think so the, it's it's that same gap that the new trilogy has been operated on yes which i think makes sense for that point yes because but i don't buy it you don't think each film each date, each December date that they plotted out there is for a Benioff and Weiss trilogy movie. I, th- I mean, I know. I think after we talked about it before, um, of like, oh, well, maybe it could be, could be that, you know, maybe Ryan Johnson will work with them, something. I don't know. I think it makes more sense for them to be alternating um, with Benioff and Weiss coming off first because they're going to be done with Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Um, but some guys are hearing this. They're done with that. Star Wars is the next thing up for them. It makes sense where Ryan Johnson still has you know, to finish up Knives Out, who who knows what other indie projects that you could have in the works um, as well. And, but if you still want to make this trilogy, if you're a Lucasfilm, which from all indications, publicly, they're saying that they do. So I'm inclined to believe them at this moment. Yes. Um, 
If that's the case, why make him wait till 2028 to release his first movie? He's not waiting that long, though, because we're going to get three more. We're going to get two or three more Star Wars dates in between those films. Where? In, uh, the, gap, uh, in, the, in the gap year. Avatar's there. Maybe they're May dates. Maybe they're summer dates. I think, I think uh, there are Star Wars movies coming out in between. I, I don't think so. That, that, that's the conclusion I arrived to. Ryan, or Ryan Johnson is not going to sit around and, you know, let a Star Wars movie, um, you know, stew for that long. He's probably already begun it. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's got notebooks and notebooks filled with sure, ideas. But I, don't think he has a, like, I don't think he has like a script done or anything. No, no, not at all. And I think that's what he'll turn his attention to once he finally puts, I mean, he's probably got knives out in the can almost. I haven't heard from him on Twitter in quite right. a while. So he hasn't done <laughs> any dust away. Yeah, exactly. And he already said he was pretty close to um, putting the kibosh on the editing process. So, I mean, it's almost summer. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have to. We're gonna get. We're gonna get a trailer soon. I know. Oh, that'd be are. great. Oh, uh, so I can't wait. But anyway, th- I, that's what I think is going to happen. I. I mean, because two, Avengers is kind of gone. Mm-hmm. You need that tentpole early film, and I think that's what Johnson's doing. So it's going to be May, and it'll increase the timetable too. So then you have to you have to go through the end of the year, loop back, and then you have to wait till December again to get your next Star Wars film. That puts more than a year distance on each film. Not always. Not. It'll be a six month gap and then a year and a half gap. Oh yeah, that's right. Or that's no. how time works. Yeah, because if if you're saying that the Ben Affleck Wise movie comes out December 2022. But then Ryan Johnson's film comes out May 2023. Mm. Then that's a six yeah. month gap. But then the next installment of Ben Affleck Wise movie comes in 2024. So that's a year and a half gap. Yeah. And so then we're on that cycle. And I think that's not happening with Star Wars because they tried that six month gap with Solo and, you know, Last Jedi. And for a variety of reasons, mainly I think probably because of Solo's I think Solo had troubled production. Yeah. Um, that did not work out well, but I think that's, I think that is the lesson that Disney took from that more than anything is that we're sticking to December for star Wars. Hmm. And I don't think they're going to do two stars movies that close together again, especially like that soon, even though, you know, it'll be six years <laughs> um, by that point. But yeah, yeah. Understandable. I don't, I, don't, I feel like it makes more sense for Baron for wise movie to come 2022 and then 2024 comes around and it's boom. Here's the first solo of Ryan Johnson's trilogy. It's been seven years since the last Jedi, you know, flames have died down a little bit if they're still around at that point. Sure. Um, but then also it leaves instead of if, cause if it is 2022, 2024, 2026 for Banner for wise, that means each of their movies, this, that, that means when the first movies hit in theaters in 2022, they're starting production. Basically that's like that same month for the sequel. And I think if you're star Wars, and you're looking in your Lucasfilm, and you're looking at the reception to Game of Thrones season eight, and you're looking at the reception maybe to the larger Skywalker story and how it's been executed um, from some fans. Maybe it's better to have a four-year gap between those installments instead of two years, so that way you can, like, you don't have to plan all this stuff out so far in advance, and you can plan it out in broad strokes, but then see the reaction, and you know, like. Oh. "Quote unquote course correct if ah, needed I along the way." I cringe at that idea of course correction. I don't think that'll be the case because I don't think Star Wars films are ever going to tell the story that Star Wars fans, older Star Wars fans, the vocal majority of the vocal the vocal minority of Star uh-huh. Wars fans like are clamoring to see after you know spending so long seeped into lore and yeah. everything like that. That doesn't seem right. Um, 
But I w- uh, man, it just seems like an, it's a really long time to take it to draw out a trilogy, though. Uh huh. I mean, but it'd, would, be, it'd basically be making like these new Star Wars movies, whatever they may be, last like, twelve years. Yeah, make them last twelve years, but then also not have like make each one like its own event kind of where instead of if it's like you know oh the last jedi is over oh but now it's two years till last till you know episode nine and we only have a year for the trailer like now we're going back to like the old 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 days of here's your star wars movie and you're gonna have to sit with that and that story for two years mm-hmm. or more before you get anything about what comes next and i think that'd be like It'd be strange in this day in Hollywood, it but would be an I, it'd be but it'd be cool. Strategy. It would be an insane strategy. But not if you have another movie in between there. It would be a really radical strategy. I'm sorry, not insane. I don't know how it would work out in playing cross marketing. But that would certainly be a very specific choice to say four years between each installment mm-hmm. of the movies. Um and like maybe your production schedule doesn't exactly match that. Maybe you shoot these things quickly and then just keep them in the can that long i don't think that happens i don't think that happens especially with disney so the same thing you just like all right now we're doing them back to back yeah you have the first one 2020 and then the next one 2024 and 2025 or something like that but it doesn't stuck i think they staked out these dates with a general plan in mind and i i think to me it just doesn't make sense to do all three of them in a six-year time period i think it makes more sense to have them spread out a little more and then have ryan johnson's films come in between we yeah i i have i do not have an insight on this this is into, this is just wild for me actually yeah um but i i'm of, I'm of the i'm of the mindset that there will be more star wars dates to come okay i really do think so i will be frankly shocked what's if that's the, the case what um would you take the over or or not on this that's not, that's not how this works <laughs> any chance percentage wise that ryan johnson directs the first benning off and wise film uh any uh i don't i don't think so I but don't think so i don't remember what star wars podcast i was listening to it's probably the resistance broadcast great stars podcast if you want one um they were talking about who could direct the first installment of Ben for wise uh trilogy and now since that's coming in 2022 it looks like there's uh, that conversation of well do you start off with a bang of like Here's John Favreau. Here's the Russo brothers. Here's somebody like huge, a big name, Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder. Or Actually, it would be. Good. be like, it would be if that's Old Republic like range. Like that's what we're getting. Like hundreds of people with lightsabers. Sure, that honestly would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but or do you go with like the opposite round? You go with an unknown and you go and hire um, like D Rees, somebody who's done movies before, but she's not like this known commodity. Oh, Michelle McLaren could finally direct a movie. Right. Or, so that's what I'm saying. Do you go Michelle McLaren first or do you go John Favreau first, Michelle McLaren second? You, you, you let, this is going to be this is awful, but you let D and D do press at that same time with Michelle McLaren out there as well. And next thing you know, when the star Wars movie is great because Michelle McLaren is great and D and D are like, Oh yeah, we, plotted the, the the series but mm-hmm. like it, it just it would be like it would it would it would let that happen it would let like gareth edwards like a gareth edwards like director back into the fold uh-huh. it would let kathleen kennedy be vindicated for saying like oh we'll only get people who are good at directing it's like <laughs> shut up um and like i don't know i think that i the because she's so close with the game of thrones creators um 
or at least has worked with them and they know what she can do. I think that would be, I think that would be inspired. I th- I, no, I, I will not be shocked if her but, or Miguel Spagotnik Sp- or whatever. <laughs> yeah, we uh, got specific, but I think unknown would be the best way to go because you've got them branded across the top of this thing. Mm-hmm. Now you can give opportunities to people who may not get them um, otherwise. Okay. Let them play around in the franchise. Yeah. I'd, I I think that'd be great. And if it is Michelle McLaren or the guy who's directed like, you know, Battle of the Bastards or the the the, the Bells, the last episode of Game of Thrones, like Miguel's but something i don't know his last name it's very finished um but the game of thrones director who's done a lot of great episodes um like I, I think it'd be great to get any of those people involved um like it to direct any of the films but i would i believe that disney will go with a more established person so that way when the title card comes up you can say from the creators of game of thrones but also from the directors of from the director of Lion King or from the directors of Avengers Endgame or from um, the director of BVS or whatever uh, the case may be, the director of Godzilla King of um, mm-hmm. the Monsters, you get Michael Dougherty to come in here. Whatever. Um, I think that's the way they would go. And then the sequels where if that person then blows up and like you give them their own franchise, then you hire somebody else new to come in and take over the mantle or take, over, take the reins, mm-hmm. take the baton. Whatever the metaphor Pass the is, baton. Yeah, it's a franchise. Yeah. Um, so I think that's probably the route they'd go. If they go the unknown un- unknown route from the start, great. It's weird calling them unknown. They're I know people that we don't associate with directing features, right? So that's that's where we're at. I mean, they may be known on the small screen, but that's very different, um, you know, to a lot of audiences for sure. So uh, we'll move on then to wrap up the main three with. Uh, just a couple of tidbits that have come out about Avengers Endgame over the last several weeks since it's been out now um, that we just wanted to kind of quickly get some uh, get some thoughts out about. Uh, the first one, um, <laughs> which has been very interesting and very confusing for me, uh, the directors, Joe and Anthony Russo, and then the writers, Marcus, uh, Christopher Marcus and uh, Stephen McFeely, they disagree on Cap's ending of what happened. Is that, a, is that an issue for you, that Joe Russo and Anthony Russo believe that he created an alternate timeline and that's where he came from and he leaped back into the main timeline? Mm-hmm. But then Marcus McFeely believe that he traveled into the past of our current timeline and has always been there yeah. with Peggy. Do you have an issue with that they don't see eye to eye and do you preference one or the other? I, I, I preference Marcus McFeely's because Agreed. it just makes more sense yep. in a lot of ways. But like Joe can think what he wants. Anthony can think what he wants. I mean, it, it doesn't affect what's in the movie until they need to make it canon. Exactly. And it won't matter in the Falcon and Winter Soldier series really because he's there. Yeah. And unless, in, which I think even makes it even more unlikely that there are alternate realities in Spider-Man Far From Home. But it's just like, okay, they both have their own ideas, and it's sort of just sort of like, well, he's here now. That's all that matters. Mm-hmm. And the implied reason is that he went to the past and hung out with Peggy, or got married. Sorry. Yeah. No, I think the weird thing is, I think it makes more sense with the time travel logic of the film Yeah. that Anthony and Joe Russo's explanation is the actual explanation, but I like it thematically more <laughs> for him to always have been around and been Peggy's husband, you know, in secret, or I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. I like that more than him going to the past and changing Peggy Carter's future that he knows she has uh, in a different timeline. Um, I like that better. But it's probably easier for him to create an alternate reality, and that makes more sense with the timeline explanations and everything that we got in Avengers Endgame. So I don't truly care, like you said, until 
it's canonized mm-hmm. one way or the other of oh Through no some kind of event yeah whether we get like a, a Disney Plus series of Captain America returning each of the stones and the adventures that he goes on um, and then it ends up with him or I would just take a Disney Plus series of where he's like hanging out there with like Peggy and it's like sure. a romantic comedy like Great. honey I'm home and she's <laughs> but, but, like but, leave, leave the beaver with Captain America but and Peggy's Peggy the one coming home because Cap has to like stay indoors oh, and hide away <laughs> that's right he's supposed to be dead <laughs> yeah he's dead or forgotten <laughs> But that doesn't, yeah. But see, the thing is, the past is happening in the future. It just, it's so much I happening know. there. Uh, Boy. And since I was mentioning his trips back to the past, uh, the Russo brothers did confirm that he did meet Red Skull on his trip to Vormir to return the Soul Stone, mm-hmm. um, which is one of those interactions I would have loved to see because Cap would be like, wait a minute. <laughs> right. I definitely saw you vanish. Get vaporized. And, but then Red Skull isn't even Red Skull anymore. He's like the protector of Vormir, or the Soul Stone or whatever. So does he even truly, like, is Remember? that relationship with, like, he would know who he is because he has, he's able to know anybody who walks up to him. But, like, would he remember... Like the their past encounters? Yeah. Is I don't know, like, but I would love to see that. Is he like soulless? He's just a vessel now speaking the words of the soul stone. Uh, like Bran is for Three-Eyed Raven? I don't know. <laughs> possibly, possibly not. But yeah, like it, it would be interesting. Like I, yeah, the conversation of like, so we good? We good? I don't feel anymore. So By yeah, the way, I'm good. giving you back the stone. Can you give back my friend who sacrificed herself for you? No. No. Well... <laughs> That really sucks, Red Skull, mm-hmm. and now it's you know they're they're at war again. <laughs> it's so weird to just like give them like give back the Soul Stone. I, I know like, I don't. I have... That's the one thing I do not understand of how do you give back the Soul Stone, and if you do give it back, how can you why like why can't you get that life back? Because it's an exchange. So if you're exchanging it, but, but then you're giving it back, why can't you exchange like why can't the exchange be reversed? Yeah, I don't know. You're like forging the Soul Stone out of that soul, I suppose. So Maybe. it's sort of like you can't like take i mean i guess you can but how do you even like return it what happens when you give the stone back like do you even give it back (laughs) we don't it's it's weird it doesn't really matter but um we also got this tidbit that black widow's story at one point was going to involve her caring for orphans uh which is an interesting subplot which i would like to see potentially but i don't think it's necessary for the story at any reason so it's fine that they cut it. And if anything, if my pitch of set the Black Widow solo movie in between that five-year gap, then that can be part of the story in the oh. solo movie. Yeah, so. it's very, it's a very sweet and tender idea to have her like being really ultra like maternal and paternal to um, the millions of orphans and their families, mm-hmm. like you know, or the kids like that have like you know been left behind. And so that would be like really like that would be like a heartbreaking like crack moment. Yeah, seeing her do that, um, but like. We got a scene between her and Captain America, which was I thought, right. And like, good. and like, where does that scene even fit into the film? I yeah. have no idea. <laughs> Precisely. Uh, we, there was also a tidbit that came out that the Dark Elves were almost included in Thanos' army at the end, which is like, okay, that's like fine. Kind of, yeah, it would be more of like a joke than anything, just because of Thor's, uh, um, you know, his his impression of them. Ooh, Dark Elves. Yeah, and how and how glib and fun, like how relentless they are, but. Would it have been interesting? Yeah, Thanos' army literally is made up of like all the villains. It's the, it's made up of Chitari and Sakarans and um, bigger Chitari. There are Sakarans like, in there. Uh huh. Really? Yeah. Um. So uh, that that like there's and what's the other people? Um. And then the Outriders are there as well. So That's right. um, if the Dark Elves were there, that would have been interesting. I would have also that would have had an interesting ripple effect on the canon, where it's like, well, so after Thor defeated Malekith. The Dark Elves just, like, 
became under Thanos' control, that oh. would have been very yeah. That would have been a brand new thing to be like, oh, Went to his him for his guidance. like galactic power like grew because Thor defeated a different villain. Yeah, that would have been very interesting to see how that like would have been like explained. As a wise man once said in a glass room to another man with a sword, consequences. <laughs> where where is that from? John Wick. Three. Oh. <laughs> It's like, where are you going? Everybody keeps saying it to each other. Consequences. Yeah, that's true. There are consequences. Consequences. Uh, consequences. That's my <laughs> brand or drumflin. Not very good. It was like Italian, so it's like, a yeah, consequences. A <laughs> Not quite. I'm sorry, um, the Italian community. There was also, um, so both Kevin Feige and the uh, Russo brothers, I believe, um, revealed that Captain America could always lift Mjolnir in the MCU, and he just didn't want to upstage Thor at the party. So he, when he felt it budge, he just like put it back. Man, I don't like that explanation. I, I don't totally like it either because I like I think it makes I like it better for his arc of like well now in like the greatest moment and after like you know unloading the secret of oh Bucky killed your parents by the way Tony uh, that he was hiding for those years yeah um, I like it more that that's part of his arc that he can now finally be lift Mjolnir after all these years, but. It, it's fine. I mean, it makes sense mm. of like, you know, Cap doesn't need that extra like showboat of, hey, look at me. I can lift the hammer right. like nobody else can. It, I like the idea there's more of a, there was a darkness to Cap yeah. um, before Civil War or at least something underpinning him and like in his character, something heavy on his soul. Right. Rather than Thor's like, you know, um, I don't know. I, I think it just makes him a little more human. Than, yeah. Than him just being like a good old boy. We're like, he was, oh, he was always Thor the Boy Scout. Good. Yeah, yeah. I like thinking that he wasn't, and he isn't. So yeah, that's, I think that's better. I think I think yeah. I mean, that is apparently how the MCU and the people at Marvel Studios think about it. I don't really care. I'll think about it the way I want to for now. Um, there was also this I thought kind of mind blowing fact that was revealed um, by the Russos that the icon that the now iconic I am Iron Man line at the very end of the movie mm-hmm. was the last thing that they filmed. Any last-minute edition where initially Tony Stark didn't say anything after Thanos said, I am inevitable. Um, but that was actually Jeff Ford, the editor's idea, to add this in. Yeah. I cannot imagine this movie without I am Iron Man mm-hmm. in that ending. So that was one of those things where I was like, I thought that was like baked in day one. How do we end this movie? He says, I am Iron Man. Boom. Done. Yeah. And to know that that was not even in their like thought process is mind-blowing mm-hmm. to me. It, it, yeah, it's one of those things where it just fit perfectly, especially if Thanos is out there saying, I am inevitable. Exactly. Like, the the parallel, the parallel <laughs> and the symmetries are like, you, of course you would make him say that. It just seems obvious at this moment. Yep. And it's so weird that an editor would be like, I don't know, just your editors are the best parts of, not the best parts, but like editors are so important. Mm-hmm. Watch how um, George Lucas's wife saved Star Wars. Exactly. Uh, but, like, yeah, that's perfect on so many levels and I can't imagine the movie without it. And, like, I think I can maybe see why if we, I don't know if we're going to talk about his, the next part, like the part that was supposed to take place after that. Yes. Where originally he was going to snap his fingers, go to the orange soul world, whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call it. Um, and see an older version of his daughter, Morgan played by Catherine Langford. Um, but apparently that was too confusing to test audiences. They're like, wait, I thought he, they didn't understand it or whatever. So I think it's, fine that they cut this scene i like it better of him snapping his fingers the i am iron man line and then getting the reactions from pepper roadie and um peter Mm -hmm. but i mean it's fine way better and i think maybe if like they had not done the i am 
I am Iron Man line and gone with that, it would seem interest more interesting. It would like it would be, would have been the fulfilling of his arc. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like as much as we love Morgan three thousand, you know, by that point in the movie, um, it's just sort of like we we know that he cares about her that right. Much. And I'm like, it's and, it's a lot easier to digest. Oh, this is younger Gamora because Gamora has a very distinct look to her in these yes. films. Then be like, who is this? teenage girl that Tony's all of a sudden seeing mm-hmm. like we don't know right and so unless he's like oh Morgan <laughs> and like, like they would have he would have had to have said something like I love you 3000 yeah. like, I don't know if that was part of their dialogue or not I, I feel th- like it had to have I think been. what they they mentioned was that the scene kind of revolved around him seeing the older version of Morgan and then her basically saying like it's okay dad like we're okay like you can like go yeah which would have been like a nice touching scene um, but I think that you know the, the cheeseburger line at the end or how he looks at Morgan with the hologram and says, I love you 3000. What? Like, I think all those moments are much, they, those hit home more than like if Catherine Langford showed up for one scene. Yes. Perfect. So, um, then lastly here, uh, as of this end of its, uh, fourth weekend, the movie is sitting at $2.614 billion. It's about $180 million away from passing avatar to become the number one movie of all time. Does it get there? Yeah. Barely, like I think by, it'll be very, very close by like a hundred thousand dollars, probably. I think, like, I think that's how it squeaks by. I think Disney keeps this thing in theaters as long as it has to. Yeah, it'll be in there all summer. Yeah, and there'll probably be another. There'll probably be like a like how Captain Marvel got a boost when uh, Avengers Endgame hit theaters. There'll be another boost when Spider Man Far From Home hits comes out. Yes. Um, and now that the movie is also playing with an after credit scene of the Spider Man Far From Home spoiler trailer, um, maybe that will drive some people back to go see it in that context. Um, even though I have not done that yet. So, um, it's, it'll be close. It'll be very, very close. Um, but I fingers crossed that it gets there because <laughs> I think it just, you want a bad for I, it. I, I, I just think that, you know, it's, it's an impressive thing what Marvel's done throughout all these years. So to get so close to beating Avatar, I feel like it just needs to do it. Does it get, does it get the Star Wars, um, domestic record? I don't think so. I don't think so. Because if it does that, then it tops Def- Avatar worldwide. So, right. I don't think it's two hundred million dollars away domestically. I mean, it's made seven forty something, I think, in its first four weeks, its first three full weeks. So, I guess it's possible, but uh, I, I don't, I'm not counting on that record being broken. No, me neither. Uh, but that is all we have for the main three topics. Let's move on to ticket, skip it here, uh, ticket or skip it here real quick. Uh, where we got our first trailer for Netflix's I am mother. The first trailer for Disney's Maleficent mistress of evil. The second trailer for Midsummer. the first trailer for Netflix's always be my maybe. And the first trailer for angel has fallen. Josh, which one gets your ticket this I week? I don't like repeating things. <laughs> um, so like, you know how much I love Midsummer, but uh-huh. I want to talk about I am mother. Okay. Cause I love sci-fi. Uh huh. I love Hilary Swank, who isn't acting enough or Correct. isn't getting her due. It's not in a lot of things. Enough, not in a lot of things. And the last thing I can think of was um, Soddenberg's uh, heist film. Oh, yeah. She was in Logan Lucky. Everybody. Yeah. Logan Lucky, yes. Very Adam small Driver. role. Very small. But also, like, maybe in a sequel. Yeah. Which <laughs> no is not sequel happening. emergence. <laughs> um, but I Am Mother looks like she's doing a lot of dramatic acting around the very pulpy sci-fi robots are coming to murder all of us and be our parents with the robot voiced by Rose Byrne. She's like, Oh yes. <laughs> very weird. <laughs> it, it, like it's, it's also like that, like very Siri like language. So like yes. Rose um, Byrne is getting it nailed down. Right. It's just like weird. Cause it's like, Oh, where's, where's, where is she? Cause mm-hmm. she's great too. So there's all of that. But, 
I'm interested in this. I love Netflix sci-fi because it just feels like a short story movie, like low stakes, but running with an idea, mm-hmm. however small. And I'm I'm definitely about it. June 7th. Yeah. So it's coming soon. Uh, I, I did think that trailer was, you know, pretty impressive. As far as trash Netflix movies sure. go, this was it, good. It, it looks decent. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, I, I am very close to getting my trailer or my ticket to Midsummer because uh, I don't remember if I gave it to the first trailer or I not. I don't know if you did. Um, I think Spider-Man came out that week. Maybe. Um, and I oh, definitely would have given it to Spider-Man. I'm just guessing. Case. Um, but I am going to give it to the other Netflix trailer in here. It said, always be my maybe because okay. I just thought this, this, it was so charming. Uh, Ali Wong and Randall Park as these uh, former uh, friends turned. They had some romantic relationship as you know kids and now Ali Wong is married uh, or she's engaged about to be married and then the marriage is broken off and so now she's left alone and uh, the moment where she's like screaming in her like room like telling her mm-hmm. fiance her ex-fiance now to like basically screw himself yeah. and then like the windows open there's a family party outside I thought it was hilarious um, and then Randall Park and her just look like they have really good chemistry together but then you know to top it all off the button of the trailer Keanu Reeves is in here <laughs> yeah. as the foil to the to the romance. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Keanu Reeves week mm-hmm. uh, keeps hitting. And so that, that was a big reason why I was like, okay, Keanu Reeves in this, you get my ticket automatically. Yeah, it was – that was delightful. And it's, Ali- it's already been gift of him, like him doing that shrug. Uh-huh. Uh, it, is, it is so good. Um, if you haven't seen her stand-up special on Netflix, definitely check that out. Though. Yeah, I need to do that. But, yeah, you, you will love her even more. I am a Randall Park stand. I think he's the best at, like, everything. I'm so glad fresh off the boat. I am – like, like, I am. <laughs> not, you're not, you're not Constance Wu, that's for sure. Uh, um, <laughs> I, it was, that is so – it is so funny. To, like, um, not someone I expected to be, like – diva-ish but whatever no which was i mean it's hard to you get like, it yes because you're like oh but I, also I, like yeah you would have liked to maybe go do another thing and here's, here's the thing like real this is totally tangent a little before bit. we close up but it's just like i understand it and i kind of get it too because she is being suppressed in that role she's way better than that we saw mm-hmm. that in crazy rich agents yep. um so like from that perspective i'm like yeah i kind of get it but also like uh, you're being paid another like millions of dollars because you know the progressive pay structure. Right. I'm sure for that series, but this is like okay. Anyway, anyways, on to the flyby here to wrap up this episode uh, slash warm reporter this week that Josh Gad is uh, in talks to star in Disney's Honey I Shrunk the Kids continuation slash reboot, uh, which will be titled Shrunk. Uh, Gad will play an older version of Nick Skalinski, uh, one of the original kids in the film, um, who now as a grown up somehow did not learn any lessons from his childhood and now will shrink his own kids, I guess. Um, they also did not know if this is going to be a Disney Plus uh, play or if this is actually going to be a theatrical release for Disney. But what do you think about Josh Gad rebooting, continuing uh, the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids franchise, and then where do you think it should land? I love Josh Gad. He doesn't lead enough movies. I think he's really funny and talented, and this is a perfect movie for him to you know, get out there with, get out in front of. Mm-hmm. Um, no idea where to land. Probably Disney Plus. I can't see this thing going to theaters. But I'd love to also see Disney put this in the theaters because that would be like a return to like, oh, it's a low stakes Disney movie. Mm-hmm. We need that. Um, but I'm on board. Yeah, yeah, no, it seems like a perfect pairing for Josh Gad to step into that Rick Moranis like sort of role and be like the goofy, aloof dad of just like, yeah. oh, I don't know what's happening. Oh, I shrunk the kids. <laughs> uh, whoops. Uh, let me figure this out now on the fly, um, but also then learn from my past in some ways. And mm-hmm. if I had to guess, I think it would probably be Disney Plus because it's just that that as far as Disney's release strategy is going right now, I don't think Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is as 
big of an IP, a big enough brand to be like, here, here's a $50 million opening weekend with Josh Gad in the lead role. Mm-hmm. Maybe if they round it out with a bunch of other, you know, supporting stars, maybe, but I feel like this is a Disney Plus play for sure. Um, we also got a surprise announcement this week from Lionsgate where they revealed that Chris Rock, the comedian, is spearheading a Saw revival. He has developed the story um, originally, and then he is set to produce and star in the film, which will be directed by Darren Lynn Bossman. So I've never seen a Saw movie, but uh, Chris Rock... He's very funny, and him taking a semi-dramatic turn, I would assume, in helping relaunch the Saw franchise is a very intriguing move for his career. I've never thought those two words would go together. Never. Um, never seen a Saw movie, though, either. Oh, really? So I figured you had. No, like, I don't... I go for horror, Cooper. I don't go for you don't. cheap slasher okay. murder. That's fair. Unless it's Keanu Reeves and John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess that's not cheap, though. Well, it is kind it of is cheap when bit. you consider the budget of those yes. movies. Yes. 14 or 15 million, I think, is the reported budget for the third one, which is wild. No. I think that's what I read somewhere. That could be a, a, a lie, I guess, but I thought that's what I read. I need an answer on that before we close out the okay. show. But I'm Googling. Either way, well, I'll Google. You get how right. you uh, lead us into the next thing here. Um, but yeah, sure, I'm about it. Okay, yeah. Forbes says it's $55 million, which makes a lot more sense. But still, that's ultra cheap. So, uh, either way, uh, yeah, Chris Rock saw fine it's like the new like um oh, who just helped reboot uh, halloween david gordon green and then uh, um danny mcbride mm-hmm. so it's like you know comedians john krasinski did a quiet place and there's no that's true yeah there's no there's no I mean, reason to box these people in chris, jordan peele get out and us chris rock is a writer yeah. he's a comedian he's, a, he's uh, directed I mean, films he, he, yeah like that's that's in his wheelhouse but just because how, how he made his name doesn't mm-hmm. mean we should look exactly him, exactly like so uh, we also got a report from Variety this week that Emma Thompson may star in Cruella opposite of Emma Stone. Um, it looks like she'd probably play some sort of like very rich person that Emma Stone like, kind of aspires to be um, as a young Cruella DeVille, which I think that makes a lot of sense because Emma Stone or Emma uh, Thompson, like in my mind is like, oh, that's an older version of Cruella DeVille. Yeah, that, that is Cruella DeVille. Like if you were going to do that movie, yep. that's her. But this is really just looking like the Devil Wears Prada but oh, yeah. Cruella DeVille. And I think, I don't know if I said that I before. I think I'm not. on board for that. Yeah, I, but I am. And like the, the parallels are already yeah, coming into view. So very cool. Yeah. And uh, going back to the Disney Realm THR report this week that a that Disney is developing a live action CGI hybrid movie for the Rescue Rangers with, with uh, Akiva Schaefer from Lonely Island who directed uh, Popstar Never Stop Never Stopping uh, on board to direct. Again, this is unclear if it's a Disney Plus play or theatrical. I would, again, assume the former, and it's going to Disney Plus, um, but very happy for Akiva Schaefer because Popstar Never Stopping, Popstar Never Stop Never Stopping is one of the greatest comedies of the last 10 years. It is very good, folks. Go get on it. But definitely Disney Plus, definitely on the kids' side of things. Yeah. Is Andy Samberg voicing a role? Or is he like the human lead who somehow... Oh, yeah, gets involved. you probably get Andy Samberg because we think he's hilarious, and then with that way we would watch it. We're like, whatever. Like, there right. we go, Chip and Dale. Because like, I I don't really know the Rescue Rangers. I mean, like, I know I've seen their stuff mm-hmm. before, but like, is this going to be like another Pokemon sort of thing where like the Rescue Rangers are part of a human world, or are they like off on their own fantastical fictional world? And there's no humans around. You know what? Maybe even Chelsea Peretti would be a good star of that movie. Oh, good call. I like that. I love that. Uh, she's Now she's not doing 9-9, so she's got plenty of time. All the Fingers time crossed. in the world. Um, we also got a report this week, uh, confirmation actually, from uh, 
Avatar and Fox that Jermaine Clement has joined the sequels as a marine biologist on Pandora named Dr. Garvin. So Jermaine Clement is hilarious. Uh, it's, this is another one of those weird, oh, you're an Avatar 2, 3, 4, and 5 as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. <laughs> and I think we're going to get trickles of news like this until like the Avatar series yeah. wraps up in 2050. So, you know, I think it'll well, all of the great like people who don't star movies but are in movies yeah. <laughs> will eventually cycle through here. I can't wait for Randall Park's casting. Yep, and uh, just a couple of release date things to announce, uh, not to announce, to, to uh, talk about here real quick as we wrap up this episode. Deadline revealed that on July 10th, 2020, the fifth Purge film will hit theaters. Um, I thought the last Purge film, which was actually titled The First Purge, um, was fine. I don't think I really need more of these, but they're, it's a fine, cheap anthology series that keeps making money, so fine. I yeah, don't care. They're, they're, their quality, I don't know if their quality's ever dipped. It's sort of just, it's been bad, it's, and then it got good. It's, yeah, it's uh Once it figured out teetered. that it's better about being like about like the premise rather than just like the sheer horror. Right. So... Sure, Perch 5. Here we go. And then on October 18th of this year, a new Taika film is hitting theaters. Jojo Rabbit uh, officially received that fall release date earlier this week. Um, and for those of you who do not know, uh, Jojo Rabbit also has a synopsis which reads, A World War II satire that follows a lonely German boy whose worldview is turned upside down when he discovers his single mother is hiding a young girl in their attic. Aided only by his idiotic imaginary friend Adolf Hitler, Jojo must confront his native patriotism. So uh, this movie is going to be wild. It stars uh, Taika Waititi as an imaginative Adolf Hitler. Yes. Scarlett Johansson is the mother. Uh, Thomas McKenzie is the girl that is hiding in the attic. Um, and then there's this unknown kid who's playing the lead boy. But uh, I cannot wait for a new Taika Waititi movie. I so this is very exciting. Cannot wait either. Because the idea that he's going to like have to like tell Hitler like, I can't turn my family in. Oh, yes, you can. You got <laughs> like it's the idea of like what power is in this kid's head, mm-hmm. and it's going to be Taika Waititi, so it's probably going to be like really funny too. Oh yeah, maybe for sure. If it's serious, then we all cry at it, and it gets an Oscar movie. Like it's possible too. Who knows? But I'm very excited for it, especially just his role as Hitler and like the behind the scenes things. Like I'm going to live for this movie's director's commentary. Really? Overall. Oh wow. <laughs> Have you ever listened to his uh, Thor Ragnarok commentary? Oh, yes, it's the best. I don't even know why you have Taika Waititi do a commentary because mm-hmm. he's not talking about the movie at all. Which, it's still well, hilarious. I mean, uh, he'll, he'll like he'll make like a few anecdotes, but then he'll be like, "Back to my other thing." Yeah, back to me singing the Marvel theme song. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's all we have for the news this week. Next week we'll be back with a review of Aladdin, Disney's remake, which has had some initial responses come out. They've been surprisingly positive um, based on the internet's reactions because nobody expects this movie to be any good. Yeah, that's um, the part. And so. I'm excited to see this new live-action remake from Disney. It's one of my favorites from the original animated library that Disney has, so um, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, I kind of want to say nice things about Guy Ritchie, and, <laughs> you know, because after I was just I felt so awful about lambasting um, the King Arthur film. Yeah. But then again, he got paid millions, so but, or, or, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, but I am just really excited to see what this movie does mm-hmm. because, you know, it. we'll see. Will Smith... Is really the draw for me, but also it's Disney Aladdin. Yeah, we so. got Naomi Scott as Jasmine right. and Mina Mansoud as Aladdin. So you know, it's got it's got a good cast together, and I I'm excited to see it. Uh, we'll also be back this week with a new big question. This week, tackling what's the best directorial debut of the last decade. So uh, that should be a, a fun conversation to have uh, with me and Josh. Um, so be sure to check that out on Wednesday when it drops. Um, and if you want to be sure you get that, uh, you can. 
uh, be sure to subscribe to us um, on iTunes and everything. And uh, if you do so, please uh, share and retweet the episodes as well online. Plus, our tunes give us a five-star review with comments. And then, as well, be sure to tell us your thoughts on everything covered by Trans from the film. And you can follow me personally on Twitter at MovieCooper. And you can get at me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan. And thanks again for tuning into the Friends of Film podcast. Josh. Thanks for stopping in, everyone. And be sure to turn next week for our future episodes. <laughs>